Welcome to Pickle! Y'all, here's the deal, Pickle, okay? I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm over it. I'm going to go home. Chris is very sad to the Celtics. We're going to power through. If he continues to pout, I will relentlessly dog him for it. We've got some cool topics today, some very, um, I think, helpful topics, especially for college players. Uh, Chris, are you ready? No, I'm not. But hey, you know what? I'm a pro. I'll figure it out. This is a this is a floor day for you. We're gonna we're gonna find out what your worst is. Okay. Here we go. All right. So it is fall baseball. A lot of college teams are now practicing for the first time due to COVID. Everything was restricted. Uh, first time freshman year college practices. Advice. I've got some stories. I, I, I know we were both, I would probably say, undersized going into college. What were your biggest takeaways your freshman year in the fall? I'll share mine after. Welcome to college ball, freshman. Well, the problem was I went to school thinking I was going to be the man. That's different than I normally live my life most of the time. Um, no, no, it's not. Um, so we were coming off of the American Legion World Series, right? So I show. I show up and I'm like strutting my stuff. We got to school like five days late, me and my roommate. And everybody knew that, you know, we we're coming from that. I guess that there was like a little bit more build up to me going to college. So I thought I was relevant in the world and little did I know that I wasn't. But it ended up like I turned it turned out that I ended up having a really good fall. And that was like kind of my first good moment that taught me to be humble in life because uh when the season started i hit like a hundred for a good bit of time so yeah my number one piece of advice for college freshmen is nobody cares about anything you did before you got there you're the low man on the totem pole until you post up and show out nobody cares that you were like all state nobody cares what travel ball team you played on it's I mean, the worst thing you can do is start to brag about what you've done prior to college baseball because everybody there has done it already and they realize that what you did previously doesn't matter anymore. So number one thing, just do not try to be cool by saying, oh, yeah, I was this, I was that. Nobody cares. Um, me personally. So I, when you get to the big leagues, don't tell independent ball stories. I, don't, I know a guy that did that and it didn't go well. That's funny. That's funny because you're talking about yourself. There's a tweet. Producer Patrick, I'll send it to you so you have it. It says, uh, it's Kyle Wagner. Go Wags, Kyle. He said, the cost of entry isn't the same as the cost of excellence. So just because you got your foot in the door doesn't mean you're good. And you're going to be going up against kids that have been lifting for a few more years than you. They're going to be better than you. They have more experience. They're more comfortable. There's, there's a lot of things going on. So uh, just keep your mouth shut and play and work and, and impress more with your work ethic than anything you could possibly say with your mouth. Uh, personally, when I got to college my freshman year, I felt like I forgot how to play baseball. Uh, the game felt very, very fast around me. A um, couple instances. Uh, the first time I went to cover second base, we had this catcher's name, Garen Clough. He was like built like a bowling what a name. Ball. Yeah. He was a junior catcher, um, had an absolute cannon, just quick. So I went to cover second base on the, on the first steal and I was about 10 feet away from the base when the ball went flying into center field. And I was like, what just happened? How is the ball already in center field? 
the timing, the pace of my game and like when I would have to go cover second base uh, was not the same in college as it was in high school. And I just remember playing second base, feeling like an idiot because I just, I mean, I think the base runner beat me to the bag in addition to the throw. And I was like, what just happened? How did, how was, did that happen so quickly? And feeling a little scared, feeling worried. Um, and that's normal. I think that's my big story with that is it's kind of normal. Um, the game moves faster. Every single runner is faster than every single bat of ball. Not every bat of ball, but the, the hardest hit balls are going to be harder. Pitching's going to be faster. Everything, everything's quicker. Thinking Dudes quicker are going to have better beards because they're better older. Beards. Uh, the other thing that happened that really surprised me a ton was guys were starting to just command both sides of the plate. There was a pitcher. His name was Justin Blood. Uh, my first live at bat was against him, and I felt like he was throwing 112. Found out later that he was one of, like, the softer throwing guys on the team. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Uh, he, like, painted on the inside corner to me, and I don't think that really happened ever in high school. Nobody, like, really, like, you know, throw my front hip off the plate kind of inside corner. And, uh, yeah, that was – it was scary. But the more you see the, the speed, the more you get used to it, the more normal it gets. It just – it takes a little bit of time. So don't panic. Trust yourself. Have fun. Work hard. I think you just have to – I think this is the first time in your life where you have to balance humility and confidence really well because for the most part, you're growing up, you're developing with guys around your town, even if – when you go to high school, even if you're the younger guy, people probably know who you are. There's, there's not, there shouldn't be a ton of fear. You should know the high school coach before you play your first day of high school baseball. But then when you get to college, it's different because you've got seniors who have no idea who you are and probably could care less. Um, and a whole new environment, everything's new, which is the challenge. But you have to be confident about your skill set. And then I still think maintain that humility that allows you to kind of not think you accomplished anything or it, it you know it's always about that fine line it's about balance some guys some guys go in that freshman year and they struggle some guys go in that freshman year have a great year and 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 some of it's from being just naive enough to work hard and 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 go get after it or whatever and then you know people talk about sophomore slumps and expectations but just stay humble but but be confident yeah, it's definitely a tough balance. There's a lot going on that's new in your life with, with school, with being away from home, with living in dorms, with the food, with everything, the whole, everything's new. So uh, if anything, you can look back on your high school experience, what it was like to be a freshman or a sophomore year was the first year in high school. That first year in the new school, it's kind of like, you know, everything's new. The second year you come back, it's like really, really easy in comparison. So be patient. Like you said, ride that line between humility and confidence and uh, keep your mouth shut. Just don't, don't brag. Don't, don't be that guy. Uh, topic number two. This one's going to hurt, Chris. Uh, Celtics and Nuggets both fell three to one or four to one. That's not true. Both fell three to one in the playoffs. That was Patrick. Weird, weird uh, wording on that. You were prepared. You had thoughts. The Celtics, well, they both lost. Celtics and Nuggets both fell to three and one in the NBA semifinals, what kind of psychology in that environment where you're down 3-1, the feeling of, of 2 nothing versus 3 nothing? Um, what do you do in a playoff series when you're down? You're not out, but you're down. It's funny, man. I, 
producer Patrick called me and I think this is why he brought this topic up. He wants me to tell these stories on, on the pickle. Um, so it's funny because in 2015, we, we got down two to nothing in the division series and two nothing is you're down two games. You haven't won one yet. And I don't think there was ever a split second where I felt like we weren't going to beat the Rangers. Honestly, I, I really don't. I mean, for whatever reason, being down two nothing just the words, the feel of it is like, oh, I, I just got to win three in a row. It's not that big a deal. Um, and then we did. In the next series, we got down three to one. We were down two nothing. We won the third game, and then we lost game four. And three to one felt not insurmountable, but ridiculous. And three to one and two to nothing are the exact same thing. They're literally the exact same thing. You just got to win three games in a row. And it's weird because I just I, – I don't know if it's because the, the, the other team gets that third win or the, whatever it is, but it, it felt different. I think my, my biggest takeaway here is when, when you're down to an elimination game, you, there's, there's no margin for error. If you make a mistake, you're out. Uh, in a three-game series being down 2 nothing versus a four-game series being down 3-1, yeah, it, I mean, you just – elimination games have no margin of error. So, as a player, being on the field in the moments, you can't play with fear. I think that's the, the tendency is you're afraid to make mistakes and you just have to be loose. You have to stay relaxed. You have to be yourself and not try to do too much. The playoffs, I think, have an elevated atmosphere, so things tend to speed up. Heart rate's higher. It's more serious. It's more – there's finality to it that if you lose the season's over and there's a lot of emotion that gets tied into that. So being able to take deep breaths, staying, staying in the moment, not trying to do too much, all very easy to say, very hard to do uh, in training environments. Can you create that energy level? No, I don't think no. you can. So, you know, sometimes you get in those moments, you feel very calm and sometimes you're, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like you were saying against the Royals. It just feels insurmountable so it's it's really hard to tell and what causes that i'm not really sure maybe it's just like your gut feeling of, of what you're capable of in those moments the celtics panicked last night they were up six with seven minutes to go in the game six minutes to go in the game maybe whatever it was and then all of a sudden miami came down had a big dunk and then everything just changed like and, and this is something i talked to patrick about the other day was the, the night before, they, they just had an answer every time. Like, it, you know, it's like having a shutdown inning in baseball, right? Like, we always talk about shutdown innings. Like, teams that have shutdown innings have a tendency to, to, to do well throughout the year because you score, you want to shut the – you want to stop the other team from getting the energy, momentum, whatever, feel like they're still in the game back by putting up a zero, right? In basketball, I would say it's the opposite. You know, you, you score, you, you get a score or, or they get a stop or whatever, and they go down and score to cut it to four. If the Celtics come back down and get a shot and make it six again, like they, that, that gap can't close, right? Um, and, and what I would say to the point of the baseball thing, and this is so weird, right? We were down 3-1. We, we won game five, so we got it to 3-2. We go to Kansas City in the eighth inning we hit a two-run homer to tie the game. So, literally, we're one run and one inning of defense, one run and three outs away from winning that game, and then having a game seven on our, on our, in our laps. And it felt like we lost 
four nothing. Like that's the way I felt. I mean, I mean, like we were in the series some like by definition, so maybe it felt like we lost four one, but it, it never felt like we were close to a game seven. It just in my in my brain, I guess. Was that, I don't know why it's so weird. But. Do you do you think the that was a clubhouse feel that? I don't know. It's across the border. It's it's really tough to say. I, I would I could feel it myself. Like to me, I acknowledge what's going on in my own brain, but I, I don't necessarily think we, as a squad, we felt that way. But I don't know. It was just different, man. Like, and I don't know if the energy was different because we were going on the road for game six and seven instead. Um, in the first series, we came home for game five. Like it's it's really. I don't know. It just felt different. And I wish it hadn't because I, I would have loved to have had that feeling like we were going to win. Um, and at least that way I would have been like, if we, you know, if we didn't, I, I don't, I don't know. It's strange, man. I, it's eerie. It's it's just weird how that energy kind of happens and exists where you, you feel it or you don't. And it, it's a, it, it can mess with your confidence. It can mess with your whole outlook for the day. Uh, Juan Soto. Also, I told you he's the best player ever. Juan Soto's good, man. He is putting up some ridiculous numbers this year. Where's the tweet? 351, 490 on base, 695 slugging, 13 homers, 37 RBI. Uh, I think most impressive, 41 walks with 28 strikeouts. He's 21 years hey, old. I want you to do I want you to do this. I was thinking about this yesterday. So I was looking at uh, Rugnet Odor and Joey Gallo's seasons, and I was thinking about Juan Soto's season. I said, if you add Rugnet Odor and Joey Gallo's batting average and OPS together, it'll get to Juan Soto's. Like, if you put their batting averages together, it'll be Juan Soto's batting average, and if you put their OPSs together, it'll be Juan Soto's OPS. I'm going to do a comparison between Juan Soto and Michael Trout. Yeah. Um, based on age to this point. Uh, Juan Soto is higher in batting Best average. Best player ever. Uh, higher batting average. What else we got? Splits. I mean, he's just giving me batting average. That's ridiculous. How about slugging? Uh, way higher. Way higher. Um Soto's ridiculous. He so from a swing standpoint, really simple but really incredible angles. Um, I mean, he goes backside with ease. He goes pull side with ease. He's got swagger, that little crotch grab, shuffle shuffle move he's got going on. I mean, he is confident, young, very good. Backs it up. He's the best player ever. I mean, that's a little extreme, but he's the best player. I told you at the beginning, I told you in episode one, I was like, if I'm starting a team, I want that guy. He hits lefties, he hits righties, he hits guys that throw with both arms. If you're going to start a team, he's tough not to choose. You know, for his age, for his performance, he's absurd. Where does he go from here? How does he get better? Does he need to get better? No. Nope. Uh, will he get better? Where, where's the, like, when does development stop for somebody that's so good like this? If you look at Mike Trout's numbers, needed... if you look at Mike Trout, Mike Trout numbers, he's been like consistently good. He's like a two ninety ish, three hundred ish type hitter. We've talked before about like the plus or minus thirty on the batting average. Trout's power numbers have kind of like gone up. 
Is he stealing his bases? Where's Soto going to go? If he's hitting 350 as a 21 year old, does it, is the batting average going to go up much more as he learns the league? Is the pitching still going to get better? So he's not going to go up. Where do you see him going? I think we have to describe what getting better actually means. Um, the numbers are completely arbitrary, right? The batting average is, it, it's going to fluctuate. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. I mean, I, I, you know, to make the argument that he might hit 400 is irresponsible. So what is getting better? If, if we're talking about, you know, him becoming more aware of what guys around him are trying to do and getting more comfortable in his environment, I would say that's probably what, what happens. Like, you know, you get as much publicity as you did last year winning the World Series and doing what he did and being as good as he was. And, I mean, he was the World Series MVP. There's no doubt about it other than the fact that Strasburg dealt, right? So, like, if you took a position player, it was going to be Soto. Like, the reality of it is, what is getting better at this point? Is it going to be having the ability to hit the ball farther? Is it going to be able the ability to hit the ball harder? No, it's, it's none of those things. It's not, hey, how, how do I get more hits? It's just how do I be more present? How do I just be more engaged every day, day in and day out? And, and go wire to wire, really, and keep that consistency. Because I think over the course of time, it, like this was a shorter season, obviously. He missed the first you know, week or whatever it was or 10 days. Uh, which makes it even more impressive because he, like, he played 47 total games. Yeah. He missed the first 13. Then he played the rest. Um, look, getting better is at that point is, is, is about developing mentally and developing your maturity. So, you know, at 23, how much maturing and, and developing is there? And, and listen, is there still a chance that you, you know, you lay an egg every now and then? Sure. I mean, depend it's, there's just so many factors that go into being good at baseball and then having, you know, the chance to, to create numbers that are, I don't know, that are off the charts good. And I think that's why, you know, he seems like a really good combination of intelligence and naivete and uh, youthful exuberance and finding that balance as a player is what I think allows you to create your best seasons. Final topic, and I think this is hilarious. Good job, Producer Patrick. Uh, just general comments on Bill Belichick's press conference apparel. Uh, is he compensating for Cam Newton's swag and in, in outfits? I, I heart Bill Belichick, so he can wear whatever he wants. I think – listen, I think he does it on purpose. I think it's – very comfortable in his own skin, like notorious for just caring about football and not caring about talking to the press. I, it, you know what's funny is he'll talk to the press when they ask him football-related questions that are like about strategy and, and scheme. And he has he's very eloquent, but he just doesn't want to talk about personal stupid stuff. By the way, Bill, Coach Bill's my friend. I met him that one time. So my friend Bill. Being Can I call my friend Bill? Yeah, that's fine. Being a Patriots fan, and the Patriots are the closest I get to being a fan of anything, uh, I have a, a very high appreciation for Bill Belichick. He actually yeah, reminds that... me of my dad. You've met my dad. Yes. Uh, like, he's, if, he's like so literal that yeah. you, if you say, if you ask him a specific question, he will give you a specific answer. If you ask him a question about, you know, if you don't explicitly say what you want him to answer – he just won't. He won't infer anything. He won't, uh, you know, jump to any conclusions. He won't offer up anything he doesn't want to offer up that doesn't need to be offered up. Uh, 
in terms specifically of the sweatshirt, which I'm sure we're looking at right now, uh, like at what point do you throw that away? At what point has he been like sleeping in a cave studying game film? What what happened? I think. <laughs> Listen, I think he, there, you have to make a serious effort. I, I've been notorious for doing this. You make a conscious effort to, like, downplay your attire so that people underestimate you. I think that's what's going on there. I, and, frankly, I don't think he cares. I'm just going to be straight. I just don't think he cares. But did, like, like, was that, was, did he leave that in his, uh, like in, a, in his summer camp that, like, the moths got it? Like, you know, like the whole mothball thing where, like, <laughs> Yeah, a bunch yeah. Of, like squirrels were eating his sweatshirt, and then he's like, "Oh, I gotta go get my, I gotta get my, my grinder sweatshirt." So he just cut this. I mean, ah, like, like, look, that's like leaked from. I uh, have go-to shirts. Lander. I have go-to shirts, like the, whether they're workout shirts or whatever. Like, they, dude, it's like a good pair of jeans when they have holes in them. You just keep them. Like, you keep going to them. It's your jam, bro. Like, you'd think he would have a new shirt sitting next to him, but. I d- I'm very curious what transpired to create that situation with that shirt. I mean, it's got holes in it. The, it's trendy. Got, it's derelict. It's uh, yeah. throw up a bunch of scenes from uh, Zoolander. Zoolander. What would you say your trademark is if you have one? Well, I guess the look I'm best known for is blue steel. What's that look like? Maybe he's going to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Who knows? <laughs> I fully appreciate Belichick's look. Uh, you got any post-show for us? Other than being sad? I'm not going to watch the finals now. I'm just not going to watch it. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win the, the NBA finals? I think the Lakers are just too much to handle. Like, if they play the way they're capable of it. I mean, I, everybody I, – I, I felt like Miami should have lost in every round, but nobody's beat them yet, so. Um, what, about, uh, what about MLB? I feel like I don't want the Dodgers to win because it feels like they've won more recently, but they haven't. It's just they keep getting there. Um, so I would say it'd be cool for the Dodgers to win. Um, what about team team you would like to see make a run? Padres are fun. Um, Reds would be cool. I think Reds Reds are an interesting team. Did you see Votto? Um, two things on Votto. This is kind of post-showy. Did you see the he got the clubhouse shirt? They, nope. There was a really, really cool video. Um, I forget if it was eight or ten years. You got to play for the team. Him and Bronson Arroyo were the only two that got it. So the clubhouse guys have to like you, and they give you – it's like a work shirt. And it's a, I think it says Red's clubhouse guy. And nice. he's like, this, this is like – he's like, I put this right up there with uh, his MVP trophy. And they asked him, like, what do you have to do to get the shirt? He's like, well, they just have to like you, and you have to – like, you got you to gotta do some work. And they're like, what kind of work do you do? He's like – Oh well, you know I help clean the shoes on Sundays. It's like home games on Sundays. He helps clean the shoes. Uh, I, I just like that video is really cool. But they asked him about um, they asked Votto about the team, and I forget the exact word. I think he said they're an effing problem or a monster or something like that. And well, he almost, would say something weird. Well, that's... it was just about it was more about how he really likes this team. And I know, but he would put he would phrase it weird instead of being like no we're, we're gonna give somebody some trouble he'd say we're an after prop like he's he's unique it's not weird it's unique my you want to know what my post show is let's get away from baseball hey um tom brady's the man What's that? is did drew Brees throw a ball over 20 yards last night i saw some does of the game does it matter well if they don't have a deep threat it's a problem 
Uh, Michael Thomas is out. How are they going to have a deep threat? They the best receiver in the NFL is out. They don't have anybody that can run 20 yards on the whole roster? Deontay Harris, but he's more like hey, assumption grad. Deontay Harris, assumption's finest. Finer, finer than you? All right, that concludes. Bye. I'm leaving. Pickle episode. Pickle. 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 Pickle.